Welcome to Uncovered with me, Anthony Davis, and him, Ron Filipkowski. We are your genial hosts for an hour or so of uncovering MAGA propaganda that does not get covered by the mainstream media. Ron, welcome. It's our 28th episode today. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. It's been a busy, crazy day, busy, crazy week. Yeah. We have a lot of lots to talk about. We do. Let's start with Kevin McCarthy because he made an announcement. He wrote an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal. The announcement, as most people have probably heard by now, is that he will retire from Congress at the end of the year. He wrote in the journal, I'm an optimist. How could I not be? I'm the son of a firefighter. For 17 years, I've served in the same congressional seat, the same office in which I was once denied an internship, only in America. And then he went on to talk about how he led Republicans to a House majority twice. Didn't mention the 15 votes it took to get him <laughs> elected as House Speaker. What's your take on this? Yeah, I, I texted the boys uh, last week, uh, you know, the Midas guys, and I said, you know, I, I predict Kevin McCarthy's going to leave, announce he's leaving before Christmas. Yeah. And he's going to end up becoming a lobbyist and divorcing his wife. So, so far, first box checked. Okay. So now I got to keep an eye on the other two predictions. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we're going to see him like returning to Bakersfield, California. <laughs> this is a guy who's going to be a DC swamp creature for the next you right. know, 20 years. Uh, do um, you think it could have anything to do with a planning for a future Trump presidency? Because, you know, this is what I was thinking. There's a lot of characters on the periphery and certainly in the center, like, like McCarthy, who are convinced that Trump will win the election and are convinced that they want to get a job in the White House. No, uh, I don't. No, I think this is more like him personally just being crushed, you know, that he achieved his life dream and it got taken away from him. Yeah. And he's worked his whole life for that that moment. And he just simply does not want to continue to hang around there and be a backbencher who's laughed at and ridiculed by people like Matt Gates. So I think it's more like a personal pride thing. I think he's just cashing out. But, you know, the, the interesting. So I don't think he wants to be part of the Trump administration, nor do I think he will be. Um, I, I, the interest. There's many interesting things to see how this plays out. Number one, with Santos leaving, this leaves the Republicans right now with a two seat majority that is it. Yeah. Now you've got Johnson uh, is leaving. Uh, the representative from Ohio is leaving to become a university president in early February, which was going to put them down to one seat. So, you know, if anybody is, you know, stuck at the bar, or, you know, misses a vote, you know, they're 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 going to have they need full attendance to pass anything now. And they're going to have to get everybody on board. They want to have a vote next week on the impeachment inquiry for Biden. You know, you've got 20 Republicans retiring. All it takes is two of them to say, I'm not going for that. And I don't want to I don't want to spend the next year on impeachment. And that's not going to fly. So so there's that aspect to it. The other aspect to it is Kevin has a big war chest, millions of dollars. I think it, I think it's like 14 million dollars in a pack. So the question is, and, and he uses he has in the past used that pack to help candidates and swing districts win. But what I have heard is that he is going to use this money as a revenge tour to where he is going to help establishment Republican candidates who are getting MAGA far right challengers in the primary to fend them off. So 
So he's got this huge war chest of money that's supposed to be used against Democrats that now appears he's going to use it against other Republicans. This is very powerful intel, Ron Filipkowski. Um, okay, well, you can you do a lot. me the big money. Right, indeed. I was going to say you can do a lot with $14 million. Um, so we'll keep an eye on this. I'm sure that, you know, more will come out in the coming days. Obviously, you know, this was announced only, you know, a few hours ago, effectively. So this is one of those stories that you'll probably find out more as, as, as time goes on. Let's um, have a quick reflection on last night's town hall on Fox with, with Hannity, who seems to be wanting to showcase Donald Trump at every opportunity and coach him effectively. I mean, you know, they, they pre-taped this so that Trump wouldn't incriminate himself. And then we saw leading questions from Sean Hannity, stuff like, well, you're not going to become a dictator, are you? And, and, and Trump go, comes out and goes, well... On day one, I am, which, of course, has set most of the media on fire, apart from Reuters, who actually posted their story that said Trump says I'm not going to become a dictator, completely misquoting the story, which I found a little strange. Um, what, what was your feeling on, on, on that last night? Yeah, I'm a little frustrated with that aspect of it, to be honest with you, because, well, number one, you're right. I mean, Hannity is gross as far as how he coaches Trump, you know, he's done this many times before, you know, on January 6th stuff, you know, you never really intended to do this, right? And then many times Trump will go, oh, yes, that is what I intended to do and just kind of ruins it. He's done this many times with Hannity. I mean, it's ridiculous that Hannity is doing this at all because, you know, Trump complains about MSNBC being like an in-kind contribution for Biden. uh, But, you know, when he's doing this is an, a one hour free infomercial for the Trump campaign yeah. on Fox Airways, which I, I, they got the, the FEC, the campaign finance people. They have to look into this uh, because these kind of things are just disgusting. And he, he's doing them all the time. Um, but the frustrating part to me is, you know, somebody can't if this is going to be what interviewers are going to do with Trump, which is are you going to be a dictator or not? That's so dumb. When I do jury selection and I'm representing, let's say, a black client, I don't ask prospective jurors, are you racist against black people? I mean, of course, everybody's going to say no. You have to ask questions that are designed to find out if they're racist without actually asking them the question. So, you you know, have you ever visited certain neighborhoods in town? Yeah. Have you ever, you know, been here or done this? You know, you're trying to flesh out whether someone might be a racist without asking them the dumb question. So that's what you do with Trump. You, you don't say, are you going to be a dictator? You say, well, Trump, you put out a video where you said you were going to round up all the homeless people in America and put them in internment camps. You know, are you really going to do that with executive order? You ask it that way. But and you're asking for right. Hannity to be a journalist. And I think that might be pushing it. <laughs> Not Hannity. A little somebody bit. else, I'm saying. Uh, well, that's if Trump will sit in front of somebody yeah. else. You know, yeah. I mean, he, he has had some, you know, Jonathan Swan, for example, had some success. Right. But you know, the, the po- I would love to interview Trump. I, I actually dream about interviewing Donald Trump. And, and the secret is entrapment, right? That's how you present questions. Each question is entrapment. Um, The other question that was asked that has caused controversy was, are you going to abuse your power? You know, are you going to take advantage? And and again, he basically said yes, because he said, well, they're doing it to me. That's how he started. Got a round of applause 
from the audience. I mean, Trump is not denying his authoritarianism. He's not denying his future dictatorship. He thinks it's funny. He loves it. He loves Kim Jong. He loves Putin. He loves President Xi Jinping. These are the people he wants to emulate. How do we get to a point, Ron, where the former president, disgraced former president and potential future president is an outward dictator authoritarian and no one seems to be able to do anything about it? There's this push-pull here because his base, his MAGA base, loves this. They this love is it. what they want to they hear. They love it. I can tell you when he says that kind of stuff, their reaction is, hell yes. You right. know, damn right. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to get to Cash Patel later. But, yeah, I mean, they're, they they brag on these podcasts all the time. Hell yeah, we're going to take MSNBC off the airwaves. We're going to lock up Pelosi. Yeah, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna lock up Joe Scarborough. Um, so they brag about it, they love it. And so, but you know, people like Hannity understand that that base is not gonna win elections, right? And you know, you've got they've got to he they try and drag Trump back to the to the normal center, and he just won't go anymore. You know, it's kicking and screaming. I heard John Bolton interview this morning, you know, Trump's I'm former, so sorry, you know, and I, I really thought that he was going to say something good about this, but yeah. he didn't. You know, what he said was, you know, I, I trust the institutions. I trust the Constitution and the guardrails are there and they're going to check Trump. And and I'm just like, you're you. You obviously haven't listened to what he said in the last three years, because what he said is everything that Bolton said in this interview this morning, Trump understands that that's what that's what thwarted him the last time yeah. and he has a plan to to make sure that that doesn't happen again that those people are not going to be there to stop him uh, and, and let's you know, be Bolton, clear that Bolton talked about oh people in doj are going to resign it's like trump is not going to bring anybody into doj this right. time who's going to threaten to resign right well, talking about Cash Patel as a CIA director, we'll come to that in just a minute, as you said. But let's also be clear that Trump is not smart enough to do this stuff by himself. No. So obviously we have the Heritage Foundation, this Project 2025 document, which has been contributed to by dozens and dozens of far-right and Christian nationalists and Christo-fascist organizations. They're all listed. I mean, there's pictures of all the people that contributed in the document. You can download it off the website. So there's that group, but there's also the Stephen Millers and the people in Trump's immediate orbit who are writing the Hitler speeches and are actually taking him down this dictatorship road, which is why I say it's a very clear decision. Joe Biden democracy, Donald Trump dictatorship, you decide what you want. And, and they're betting that there is a majority of Americans who want this. Yeah. I mean, because... I think before you had, you know, in 16 and, and to some extent in 20, you had the campaign people who understood, you know, this can't be our messaging. We have to hide from the voters what we really intend to do, you know, um, but they're not doing that this time. They're just putting all their cards out on the table and going, we're betting that the American people are going to hear an authoritarian strongman um, uh, platform. And this is what they're going to want. Yeah. So it's it's a crazy bet. It's a big bet. But I hope there isn't a majority of Americans who want that. But, you know, I guess we'll find out. But, but it does not seem that his campaign people 
are going to moderate his tone or his message in any way. They're just going hard right, and they're hoping to take the majority of the country there with them. And, you know, we, we found this out over time that Trump likes to include any group, you know, the, the Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers, any, any groups that used to be considered extreme and fringe are now very much in the center of the Trump camp. And it seems that, you know, he's now trying to brainwash people to think that an authoritarian style government is actually a better thing for America in, in, in the free West, you know, the, the country that immigrants like myself traveled to for freedom could go the way of countries like Chile, for example, where people do not get a vote. They do not get a say. They have to deal with an authoritarian dictator. I cannot have imagined or predicted that here we would be, I mean, I've been living in this country for eight years, that this is a conversation that you and I are having to have. And here we see why for the last six years, he has praised Orban, Putin, Erdogan, Kim, Xi, go around the world uh, because he is conditioning Americans that this is the way to go. An authoritarian, democratically elected, authoritarian, strong arm, strong man leader is the best way forward. And this is where we need to go as a country. And I'm your guy, you know, and and I'm going to. And because how you convince also the American people that is you you have to convince them that everything is falling apart. Yeah. World War Three is about to start. The yeah. Marxists are at the door. They're taking away your gas stoves. They're going to they're going to take away your electricity. They're they're letting all the migrants in. And there's a norm. What their argument is, a normal, democratically elected president who agrees with checks and balances can't stop that. Can't stop that deep state cabal. Only a strong man authoritarian can stop it. And that's what is needed right now. And that's what they're selling in selection. And and that playbook is exactly how Putin sold his presidency to exactly the Russians. Right. It's exactly, exactly right. how Erdogan sold it to the Turks. This is basically how it plays out. You you claim that the you know the American dream is dead. I alone can fix it. He said that seven years ago and anthony you know i watch msnbc cnl all the time like you and we this discussion we just had you never hear that never hear it i have never heard anybody say this on msnbc or cnn and this and this is the reality yeah you know they're they're so bogged down in like today's news cycle that yeah. they don't step back and look at the big picture like yeah. we are doing huge right failure of, of mainstream media isn't it interesting how it was the right that only used to use the phrase mainstream media to criticize them previously and now people on the left are <laughs> criticizing the mainstream media as well for dropping the ball on the subject of authoritarianism yeah and that and now all of a sudden they're like diving into the pool you know head first and yeah and, and you know that has led people on the right in the last couple of days to say, well, what is going on? You know, all of a sudden the media is doing all these authoritarian stories out of the blue. So they think the right thinks that there is some coordinated plan here between all the media companies to do this. And I don't think so at all. First of all, we know that the media business is very competitive and they're all looking to get their stuff out first. And they and, copy each other. Better and, the, you know, they, they have other, the other but... channels on the screen in their offices. For us, I mean, for me and you, we're we're like, 
it's about time we've been talking we've been saying this stuff for a year you know and now all of a sudden it's the so so for us it's like better late than never but to them it it, they they feel like all this this is a new thing that all of a sudden they've launched this conspiracy because trump's leading in the polls according to them and uh, people like ruth ben yatt who wrote the book uh strongmen uh, you know, I was I interviewed her two years ago on the weekend show about exactly, exactly this. She is tweeting yep. all the time. Yep. You know, as Trump is speaking, this is what they do. This yep. is standard authoritarian practice. This is the next dictator. And and and, you know, Trump would love to play the role of the military dictator. You know, those military parades, the stuff that he's, you know, people in his orbit prevented him from doing because it's so un-American, and yet. If he was to win, that's what we could look forward to. He would love to put on one of those uniforms. Yeah. You know, like, you know, with all the medals. Yeah. Never served know? a day in the military in his life. And yet he'd probably wear more medals than than anybody. I mean, it's 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 the stuff of, of, of fantasy. It's the stuff of Hollywood. And yet it is a it is a reality. And I, I'm just holding on to the fact that the American people are smart enough to know that democracy is more valuable and dictatorship is dangerous. And I I just, I trust, and I think Joe Biden does as well. You know, he does his kind of quiet confidence act. Maybe, I mean, you know, he knows American people much better than I do. I think that he is relying on the fact that the American people are fundamentally good and smart and they know better than to vote for somebody who is an extremist. Yeah, I... I, I do think that at least 60% of the country is that still. Yeah. And um, I, I do think there's this big chunk of people that haven't paid attention yet and are not going to pay attention until like September, unfortunately. And uh, and so, yeah, those are those are the people that I think are going to break the right way when push comes to shove. You know, yeah. I, I hope so. Agreed. Unfortunately, the Trojan horse has already been put into place, and that is Mike Johnson, who is second in line to the presidency. He is a far-right Christian nationalist. He's trying to rewrite the history on January 6th. Um, should, we, should we take a look at this clip of, of him kind of sure. explaining why he needs to blur faces of January 6th defendants? Here they are. The release of the January 6th tapes is a critical and important uh, exercise. We want transparency. We should demand that the American people do. We trust, House Republicans trust the American people to draw their own conclusions. We should not, they should not be dictated by some narrative and accept that as fact. So they can review the tapes themselves. Uh, we're going through a methodical process of releasing them as quickly as we can. As you know, we have to blur some of the faces of persons who uh, participated in, in, uh, in the events of that day because we don't want them to be retaliated against and, uh, and, and, and to be charged by the DOJ and, and to have other, uh, you know, concerns and problems. So uh, that's a slow process to get it done. We're working steadily on it. We've hired additional personnel to do that. And uh, all of those tapes ultimately at the end will, will be out so everybody can see them and draw their own conclusions. What the actual F? I mean, you described it as him stepping on a rake. You know, uh, I was at a traffic light on my way to lunch when I uh, I saw that from ASIN, and I just like immediately drove off the road and said, texted the boys and said, he just confessed to obstruction of justice. Yeah. You know, um, we we got to be all over this, and we we immediately put out a story, you know, right away, and 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 you know, kind of it wasn't just us, but you know, that whole thing blew up, and his spokesman walked that back four hours later and said no he didn't mean 
you know, trying to hide it from the DOJ, just the general public. But here, here's the problem for Mike Johnson, which is, you know, P McCarthy pledged that he was going to release the 40,000 hours of J6 tapes, which the right-wing conspiracy theorists have been clamoring for for years, okay? You've got people like Julie Kelly, who wrote a book of an alternative history of J6. Yeah. Darren Beatty with Revolver News is behind the Rayups and other conspiracies. Mike Davis. So many of the... There's a whole cottage industry of J6 alternative history people on the right, okay? And they're platformed on Newsmax and Fox all the time. They're the ones who want these tapes because they're convinced that they're going to be able to identify FBI agents and FBI informants and Antifa in this crowd. So what happens? McCarthy doesn't release any tapes. Okay, let's Tucker Carlson look at some of them in private. That's it. Then, okay, so finally we get Johnson. And, oh, they're all happy he's going to release the tapes. What does he release? 90 hours, which is 0.002% of the tapes. Then he comes out with this blurred thing. So, so on the one hand, you have him obstructing justice because what he knows, what he knows is that most of the J6 defendants were identified by people like me and sedition hunters and Ryan Riley and people like that who went through the crowd and went through the photos methodically. I'm I'm my tweets are in two indictments of J6ers where I identified them from logos on their clothing. OK, so that's what Mike Johnson knows, is that we are better at identifying people than the FBI is in many cases. And so he's trying to blur it out. But what he's also doing is the people on the right who have wanted these tapes for so long, he's ruining it for them. Because how are they going to identify Antifa and FBI if the yeah. faces are blurred? So it's it's a complete mess. The other thing, I mean, it might be trivial, but, you know, the public purse is paying for faces to be blurred on video. And That's for anybody right. who works in video will know it is very expensive and time consuming to s start looking at video and blurring faces because you have to get the software to track that face as it moves around. And it's not an easy overnight job. It's a, it's a big job and very expensive. Yeah. And thousands of people, thousands well, of people and thousands of hours. I and mean, they're all moving around. And yeah. It, it, so I don't know, you know, so what is he going to do? He's going to release these tapes that are going to satisfy nobody. The people on the right are going to be mad because they want the tapes to look for FBI and they, yeah. they're not going to be able to get anybody that way. And, you know, the people on the left want to, you know, help identify more defendants. And so, you know, no one's going to be happy, which which probably is his plan. You know, it probably is his plan. He could say, well, look, I released the tapes and he could say to right wingers, well, I had to blur the faces to protect our people. You know, I mean, it, it's it's just a thing that is going to make everyone mad instead of just taking one side and making that side happy. He's making everybody mad. So I this and it, it clear. And by the way, him saying like. I'm blurring the faces from DOJ. This guy's a lawyer. Yeah. I mean, he just confessed to a crime. Uh, and then he, and then he, he again, he took, he took it back later. But how do you say something like that? It's just an incredibly stupid thing for him to say. All he had to do was say, well, you know, people have privacy rights or, you know, come up with some nonsense explanation, but you don't say you're trying to hide it from the cops. This is also part of the machine of faux outrage from Republicans, MAGA Republicans, where it seems to me a bit like with the Joe Biden 
um, uh, investigation, for impeachment. The whole thing is about creating outrage and pushing that right up to the election day so that there is controversy, there is chaos, there is noise, and trying to muddy the waters of Donald Trump's crimes by claiming that there is a Biden crime family and claiming that there is, you know, January 6th was a put-up job. All of this stuff is just designed to distract and confuse the electorate and make people think that Democrats are just as bad as Republicans. Well, for two years, they framed a conspiracy around Nancy Pelosi is hiding the tapes. Yeah. She won't release the tapes. Yeah. Why is she hiding them? She's hiding them to protect the FBI agents in the crowd, right? Yeah. So they can't use that anymore, you know, because now their people are in charge. They have been in charge for a year and we still don't have the tapes. So, you know, it's like, who, who are they going to blame now? Who, what's the next? Cons- but th- this, I can tell you, this really undercuts the right wing J6 conspiracy theorist cottage industry the way Mike Johnson is handling this. And, and I've sort of been watching them and they're not, they're not very happy with Mike Johnson right now. That's interesting. You say that because I had a weird thought in the middle of the night, and I'm sure you wake up in the middle of the night, like I do with weird MAGA Republican thoughts. But I was like, if the house of cards falls, there is a tiny slither of a chance that Mike Johnson could be a presidential candidate for the right. I, I thought because of he, the way he presents and the fact that ultimately he is a Christian nationalist and, you know, he's he has this plan that's very much aligned with Project 2025. For all of the short-term drama with him making mistakes and learning this speaker role on the job, because he came from nowhere, I wouldn't be surprised if he turns out to be, not necessarily this time around, but not in the future, uh, a presidential candidate. For I him. think... Um, for that to happen, they would have to hold the majority. Yeah. I mean, because if if they lose the majority next year under his watch, then I think he's done. I, I don't even right. think he'll be the minority leader. You know, I think that they'll just say, oh, this is not a wartime consigliere. You know, we can't we can't go to battle with this guy. He's too mild mannered. He's too meek. He's too weak. I mean, stylistically, he doesn't really fit the bill for what they're looking for. Yeah. He says the right things, but he doesn't. They're, they're looking for, uh, you know, a fire breathing dragon. They're looking for a Matt Gates. So, you know, I, I think that he would have to hold the majority. I think you could be right in, in 28. He possibly could be if if he's still, you know, the speaker then. Understood. I, but I don't know. Have we had a speaker run for president? You know, giving up the speaker of the House job, that's a hell of a thing to give up. I don't know that we've had a speaker get elected president. I don't think so. Right. But, you know, the speakership seems to come and go so easily these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it didn't. It didn't in the past. <laughs> right. It's 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 almost like, uh, you know, British prime ministers coming and going in a revolving door seems to be something that's kind of open. Um, I don't seem to have annoyingly the the cash Patel clip. I don't know why, but I, I do want to talk oh, okay. about it. Um, because this is a very serious thing, isn't it? Oh, no, no, I do have the Cash Patel. It was named Bannon, and we'll okay. see why. Uh, this is the a place where you get a lot of your material from, which is the, uh, the, the, the Steve Bannon War Room podcast, where, you know, they seem to forget that you're watching. <laughs> and, well, they and, know. <laughs> right, and so what he says here, what he says here is really quite terrifying, and this... If, if, if Steve Bannon has as much power as he claims to have, this is something that should concern everybody. Highly confident that when you go back and, and is a, a senior member of this uh, 
uh, administration, President Trump's administration, starting in the afternoon of the 20th of January of 2025. Uh, do you feel conf- confident that you will be able to deliver the goods, that we can have serious prosecutions and accountability? And I want the Morning Joe producers that watch us and all the producers that watch us, this is just not rhetoric. We're absolutely dead serious. We're not. You, you cannot have a constitutional republic and allow what these uh, deep staters have done to the country. The deep state, the administrative state, the fourth branch of government never mentioned in the Constitution is going to be taken apart brick by brick. And the people that did these evil deeds will be held accountable and prosecuted, criminal prosecutions. Uh, Cash, I, I know you're probably going to be head of the CIA, but do you believe that you can deliver the goods on this in a pretty short, in a pretty short order of the first couple of months so we can get rolling on prosecutions? Yes, we got the bench for it, Bannon, and you know those guys. I'm not going to go out there and say their names right now so the radical left-wing media can terrorize them. But, excuse me, the one thing we learned in the Trump administration the first go-round is we got to put in all-America patriots top to bottom. And we got them for law enforcement. We got them for intel collection. We got them for offensive operations. We got them for DOD, CIA, everywhere. And the one thing we will do that they never will do is we will follow the facts and the law and go to courts of law and correct these justices and lawyers who have been prosecuting these cases based on politics and actually issuing them as lawfare. We will go out and find the conspirators, not just in government, but in the media. Yes, we're going to come after the people in the media who lied about American citizens, who helped Joe Biden rig presidential elections. We're going to come after you, whether it's criminally or civilly, we'll figure that out. But yeah, we're putting you all on notice. And Steve, this is why they hate us. This is why we're tyrannical. This is why we're dictators. This is very scary, Ron. Yeah, one thing I'm going to do, you just gave me the idea. As soon as we're done with the show, I'm going to attach that clip to John Bolton's tweet where he posted his interview from earlier today and said he trusts the guardrails because what you just heard right there from Cash is that they've got a plan for (laughs) making sure there are no guardrails. Um, Yeah, so as far as the bandage, and the other thing I'll say is, you know, for, for Steve right there who's saying, you know, for all for the Morning Joe producers that are watching this, first of all, the Morning Joe producer does not watch his show. Neither does all the other MSNBC producers. They they follow me and they follow on Twitter and that's where they get these clips. So they're not watching Steve Bannon's show. Um, but, you know, the reason why I watch it is because of this, because all of these henchmen that are in Trump's orbit like cash who are who worked either directly for Trump or work for his PAC or are in Trump's orbit and and who Trump plans to bring into his next administration in senior roles go on that show all the time and brag about what they're going to do yeah. and this is this is the fr- been the frustration for me with the mainstream media is these people are out there telling you what they're going to do and this is this is a great example of you know, this is the stuff I hear every day on that show. And it's not just Patel. It's all of them. It's Rick Grinnell. It's Peter Navarro. We could go all down the line. Uh, Mike Davis, all these people who are rumored to be Michael Flynn in the next administration say stuff like this all the time. And mainstream media does not pay attention. And they're finally starting to now. But he's telling they're telling you what they're going to do. You and, know, and, they're and Trump tweeted last week he wants to shut down MSNBC, the whole yeah. the whole channel. Yeah, it's it's like a, a parallel universe of insanity because 
you know, they're talking about the weaponization of the of, of the Justice Department, which, of course, is something that Joe Biden tried to absolutely get back on track after Donald Trump weaponized the Justice Department. Right. And, and it's easy to forget quite what we went through during those four years of Donald Trump. You know, we, we, with all of these characters that, you know, people recusing themselves because of, you know, being caught up in a whole kind of web of lies. It, it's, it's a terrifying feeling to know that all of these characters that we thought we'd seen the back of are all huddled together planning a presidency and a movement and a, an authoritarian government. And they they're going to stick to it. It's not just posturing. Like, this is what they plan to do. And, I, you know, I interviewed David Frum from The Atlantic, and he's a conservative, and I put, put it to him about all this stuff, and he said they, they'll never do it. They're too disorganized. You know, they, they can't even organize a fight in a bar. I disagree. I really do think that these people have got a plan, and they intend to stick to it. it and this is the problem. I mean, I, I like David Frum, and I respect him, but this is the problem with Washington, New York, Beltway, you know, group speak. You yeah. know, it's they their mentality. They just don't know what's happening. They don't know what's happening in the movement. They don't know what's happening behind the scenes with Trump. Look, I listen to everything these people say. And, 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 and people say, well, Trump is, you know, he's just talking nonsense. He's just bluster. No, he no. These these people understand they've had postmortems. They say to each other all the time on these shows, we know where we screwed up last time. Yeah. Where we screwed up last time is we brought in people like Bill Barr. We brought in people like John Kelly, these establishment D.C. Republican figures. And we are not going to make the mis that mistake again. Yeah. Number one. And number two, we've learned that the bureaucracy is there to thwart us. And we have a plan to wipe that out as well, which they did not do even a jot last time. So, so the idea that like, Oh, this is a gang that can't shoot straight. They're not, they're cunning, sinister people. And they have the help of people like heritage, like Leonard Leo, all of these people are behind the scenes, helping them who do know what they're doing yeah. and who are smart. And so, yeah, this is, I, I wish I wish I could shake these people. I, I try to show them with my clips like what what these people are saying and either they just don't believe it or well, they think you know, it's funny. I, I mean, that's the other thing. People think that there is humor attached to this and there is nothing funny about it. It is deadly serious. And you know, my fear is that, you know, this whole election could come down to Joe Biden's stutter, you know, like th that. It seems to me that Joe Biden's unfortunate speech impediment is the is the sole reason that a whole bunch of people are going to vote for the other side because of the way it's been pitched and presented that you know he's this he's that he's and and you know he bought a car for his son and got paid back these tiny little things that would be considered quite normal in in reality in this parallel universe have been over dramatized over represented and and are going to be the reason why democrats could fail in november if they don't start to take this more seriously. We have to. I mean, I, I said this before. If we were sitting here with, a, you know, a president with a 55% approval rating and he was 65 years old, I, I wouldn't worry. I, I would be sitting here going, oh, we're going to wipe Trump out. You know, yeah. we're going to crush him. 
but that's not where we're at. And, and, and you have to realize too, I mean, sometimes I hear Democrats go, well, look what Biden did here. Look what Biden did there. And, and it's like, okay, but Americans don't, this is a classic mistake that people make who really don't know campaigns. Yeah. I'm not talking about knowing politics. Yeah. I'm talking about knowing campaigns, which is a different thing than knowing politics, the, the political science, the nuts and bolts of swaying swing voters. And those voters do not tend to judge somebody on their record or their qualifications or their resume. What they do is they evaluate somebody based on what they think they are going to do in the next four years, right. not what they've done in the last four years. Okay. And so this is what so many people miss and what those swing voters are doing when they're looking at Joe Biden, they're not looking at jo what Joe Biden did last year. What they're saying is what is Joe Biden going to look like when he's 85 years old and sound like when he's 85. And that is the problem. And that is at the heart of this, of this issue. So, um, you know, and, and so we, it's just something we're going to have to overcome. We have an old yeah. candidate and that's just it. And unfortunately, the policies that Joe Biden has had success with, like the Chips and Sciences Act and, and like the uh, uh, infrastructure bill, these things, they're not sexy, right? They, they don't cross the line really in a way that people are like, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, the Chips Act. And, <laughs> and, and that is problematic. Um, and yeah, I, I do feel worry that the Democrats kind of rested on their laurels and, and, and didn't position a new candidate. You know, I mean, I adore Joe Biden. I genuinely do. I think he is a true public servant and somebody who has devoted his life to public service. So from that perspective, I think he is he is an excellent former senator, public defender, uh, vice president and president. As a future president and presidential candidate to defeat the rise of authoritarianism, that is a big ask of this guy. It is a right. it is it is a big ask of anybody. But yeah, but somebody who's going to be, you know, 81, um it's 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 a it's a tall yeah. order. And, and uh I agree. I think Joe Biden's been an excellent president. I think he's done a great job. I I've said before, I thought he was going to do one term and go, mm -hmm. but he he believes in his heart of hearts that he is the best person to beat Donald Trump. And I yeah. I don't necessarily agree with that, but once he's made that dis determination, then we just have to get behind him and and yeah. and that's it. We have to win. I, I, and and we're we're winning because, you know, I'm not a Democrat. I, I don't even get to vote, but I am vehemently pro-democracy. And I recognize as an immigrant the importance of America remaining free and, and not banning Muslims just because of their faith when they haven't done anything wrong. Do you know what I mean? It's like that is the dictatorship that I fear. And I'm also slightly worried when I watched that town hall last night. I don't know whether Donald Trump had had some kind of adrenaline shot or some vitamin mix injected into his neck before the show. He was on good form. He looked strong. He looked energized. He had good orange color in his cheeks. I mean, and that is the problem is that is that Joe Biden cannot play like that. And, and you know, Trump is, is incredibly what? lucid. Let's let's be brutally honest. Take a photo of Joe Biden uh, eight years ago and put it next to a photo of him now. Yeah. He doesn't look anything like he did eight years ago. Yeah. Uh, he looks old and, and he sounds old and he walks old 
and and you know you might say well i'm being unfair i'm being mean i'm just telling you the way he's being perceived by swing voters yeah yeah. Uh, and and it's not getting any younger it's that's not those things aren't getting any better and people will be asking you know what can i do about it and i think this is something that we you know i don't want to sit here and just moan with you this is not the purpose (laughs) of this show right the purpose of this show is to uncover the MAGA propaganda to prove the point that America is not as bad as they claim and that actually this country is doing really rather well. And Joe Biden is responsible for an awful lot of that, not to mention navigating us out of COVID. So what can people do to spread the word, to sound the alarm, to support the administration and and help them to win? People that care about their freedom. Yeah, I mean... All I mean, on my side of it, covering the MAGA and the Republican Party, I can just say present the alternative. And, yeah. and you know, we see this with the people who are upset at Joe about Israel, you know, um, and it's just like, you know, we're, the alternative wants um, wants to deport you. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Stephen Miller put out a tweet this morning with his plan for people protesting on campuses. And the plan is to take all seize all the money away from the universities deport all the foreign students on the campuses <laughs> you know i mean that's your alternative so yeah. that that's the thing it's like hey you know joe biden's not not perfect and he's not the perfect president for me either there's certain things i disagree with him on but when the alternative is trump yeah it's a, it should be a no-brainer well trump would have bombed the hell out of gaza and, oh, and eradicated gaza would be a parking lot yeah. He, yeah he would have eradicated every palestinian been super proud of it that's and, right. And had a photograph taken putting a US flag in, in the Gaza Strip. I mean, it's terrifying what the alternative is, but people forget, you know, and, and I, you know, I just keep reminding people Trump's presidency to me was just seeing the National Guard on the street and shops boarded up. That mm-hmm. was Trump's presidency, you know, with a, with a huge fence, a wall around the White House. I mean, it, it was terrifying. Um, listen, we have to take a quick pause for our sponsor, but I want to come back and talk about James Comer on on Joe Biden and the impeachment that is a sham and um, a whole lot more here on Uncovered next. Did you know that your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? If you wake up too hot or too cold, I highly recommend you check out Miracle Maid's bedsheets. Inspired by NASA, Miracle Maid uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding, so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. Using silver-infused fabrics inspired by NASA, Miracle Made sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long. So you get a better night's sleep every night. These sheets are infused with silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets. No more gross odors. Miracle sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands and feel as nice, if not nicer, than sheets used by some five-star hotels. Miracle sheets are the perfect gift for your spouse, friends or family. Who doesn't want better sleep and luxurious feeling bedsheets and since these come with three free towels you get two gifts in one just in time for the holidays stop sleeping on bacteria bacteria can clog your pores causing breakouts and acne sleep clean with miracle 
Go to trymiracle.com slash uncovered to try it today or gift it to someone special this holiday season. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Save over 40%. And if you use our promo code uncovered at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash uncovered and use the code uncovered to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. That's trymiracle.com slash uncovered to treat yourself, a friend or a loved one this holiday season. And we really do recommend the Miracle Sheets. Ron and I both have them and we're... We fight over them, don't we? You take up I, way too I much room. I mean, I'm not. I'm not just saying that because they're a sponsor. I they're on my bed. I, I really like them. Let's uh, talk about uh, James Comer. He might be at the moment the the dumbest person in Congress. Uh, he's trying to pull together the impeachment of Joe Biden without any evidence. Uh, now they're talking about like $4,000 that was transferred from Hunter Biden's account to Joe Biden's account. And it turns out that was him paying him back for the down payment on the car. And I do wish Biden would actually come out and just say <laughs> that's all it is. But because there was you know, work that was being done for Chinese companies. They're saying the money came from China, which is a lie. It's indirect. And, and I just wish someone would clear this up anyway. Here's a short clip. So it was no skin off Joe Biden's yeah. back. You know, when my son needs help or my daughter who's in college needs help, I just give her money. Nobody ever pays me back. But well, I, I wouldn't pay him back either. I got to admit, you know, every time Comer comes out with one, I've got a big new, you know, I, I have the weaponization committee, his committee, you know, I have it on oversight committee uh, on a, uh, notifications. So every time they put out something, you know, I get an alert on my phone and every time I see there, they always put the, you know, the red, the red stars across the top, you know, breaking big news. Yeah. I always get a little bit nervous, you know, because I know that Hunter and I've been critical of Hunter, you know, that was involved in a lot of shady business deals all over the place uh, during his drug years. And, you know, I do worry. I always worry, you know, it, was Joe in any way involved? I mean, you wouldn't think so, but they seem very confident in this. And and I know that Joe has a soft spot for his Hunter and the kids and he wants to help them. So I always worry, like, did he at some point get involved in something to help his kid out? And so every time they come, we've got the proof, a wire from China. I'm always like, oh man, is this really, is this really it? And start thinking about who are we going to run now? You know, <laughs> and, and every single time it's just a ridiculous, you know, you, you find the doubt, the details and yeah. it's just a joke, you but know, that's because Joe Biden is not a professional criminal. <laughs> you <laughs> see what I mean? It's like he spent his life in the public eye working for, for a senator's salary or similar, you know, and, and publishing his, his, uh, finances. Donald Trump is a, is a career criminal by a comparison. And and so the fact that they're trying to paint one person that has lived in the shadows versus one person who's lived in the public eye and, and been so open about, you know, their, their businesses, it just it's just beggars belief that you can put those two people in the same sentence and claim that there's corruption. 
Yeah. I mean, all they're doing is they're looking for any any instance where money went from one of Hunter Biden's accounts yeah. into one of Joe's accounts. And yeah. and so far they've come up with two cases. The one was the forty thousand dollar loan that he repaid. And then these three car payments when, you know, his credit was wrecked. It was in the height of his drug years. And and uh, Joe went and bought the car for him made the first three payments and then Hunter took over the payments. So right. that's what this is. I mean, but you know how, if Comer would just come out and say, you know, look, this is 4,000, but he didn't, he doesn't do that. No, what he leave, does, they leave out the details. They leave out the details and he goes, Joe Biden, you know, when I first saw it, I'm like, Oh, this sounds bad. You know, yeah. Joe Biden is getting wires from a Chinese, you know, company and directly. Well, they just say to China, they say from China or right. from Russia, or from Saudi Arabia. You know, the, the monthly, whole country didn't send the money. The government didn't right. send the money. So when I when I saw that, I'm like, oh, my God, Joe's getting monthly payments from China. What the hell is this? <laughs> you and then you find it. out it's three car payments. You, know? <laughs> you, you, you fell for the propaganda. I mean, you should know better. Um, I, I worry about everything, man. You yeah. know, I'm worried. You know, yeah, but but Joe Biden isn't worried. And in fact, he was asked a question yeah. in a press conference today uh, or yesterday, last night. You never really know when it is because these things show up on the feed. But, you know, he was asked about these payments and this type of stuff. And and he just went, it's all lies. It's just all lies. And then he turned on his heels and walked away, albeit quite slowly. And this is the problem, isn't it? If you don't address these things head on. Yeah then people are going to wonder and you know it, it leaves things unsaid and and my worry is that Karine Jean-Pierre is not dealing with these things in press conferences and so who is the spokesperson for Joe Biden to you know close the door on these conspiracy theories where is that person well it, it should be a campaign spokesperson it can't be somebody from the white house which is what handcuffs kgp and yeah. she can't really say anything right um so which it has looks to be fishy a campaign to the average and we don't really hear much from those people really who it is right now is it's um you know dan goldman and jared moskowitz and um um jamie raskin yeah and Midas Touch, you know, right. <laughs> you know, who's who's out there answering all of these things yeah. and countering all of these things. Yeah. Well, it, this is it. It's um, us. It's us. We yeah, are we yeah. are one of the, the few groups that are trying to just address the balance and, and, and deal with the misinformation. But you see people who don't listen or don't care for the detail. They just hear Joe Biden and payments and China. And that's enough for them. That, and that's the plan. Flood yeah. the zone with bullshit. You know, and and I and I get this all the time man. when I talk to people that are these low information voters, they're like, man, I don't know. They're both. It seems like they're both corrupt. And yeah. that's exactly what Trump wants. Yeah. You know, he wants these apathetic, low information voters to go, oh, you know what? Biden's into shady stuff, too. Yeah. You know, him and Hunter, they're, they had all kinds of crazy stuff going on, you know. Let's uh, talk about uh, talking of shady stuff going on. George Santos, you know, since you and I last spoke, he exited stage left of the halls of congress i love that video of him literally like putting his coat on and just getting the hell out of there once the vote proved that he was no longer gonna hold on to his seat uh he's on a bit of a revenge tour now though isn't he 
Yeah, and he's got his cameo business going, which is red. Some some of my favorite um, tweets right now are George Santos cameo videos that people are posting that they're buying. Yeah. Uh, which you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. You know, we we t- we talk behind the scenes. Um, yeah, so he's supposed to be going on Laura Loomer's podcast, which I which I hyped a little bit because just because I I know I'm familiar with Laura's interview style. Let's say. And if anybody's going to pull all the CD sorted details, name names and pin him down, it's going to be Laura. And, you know, uh, I think she can do it. And I think he'll talk to her different than a a mainstream person. So, uh, you know, I again, you know, I had talks with people all the time, like even people that wanted him gone. And I certainly wanted him gone. They don't hate the guy. I mean, he's, he is, he is, I don't know. There's something about him that brings color to to the conversation. Doesn't he, you know, what he brings color to otherwise kind of miserable scenario. That's why I kind of said, like, even with all the shit that he's done, there's like 50 Republicans in the House that I think are worse than him, yeah. you know, who are but he's still gonna there. expose them now, isn't he? Because I mean he does know where the bodies are buried. I hope so. And, and he, he wasn't there to... very long. Yeah. But you know, he probably does know a lot. And and I hope that he does start naming names. Let me tell you, if he goes on Loomer's podcast, I'm gonna be watching that live because it's gonna be good. You know, I hope he does. Uh, The rise of Christian nationalism, we've touched on a little bit. And, you know, again, I always want to caveat these conversations with we're not talking about, you know, regular moderate Christians who love thy neighbor. We're talking about people who want to control women, prevent them from accessing abortion, talking about people who have, you know, extreme views about LGBTQ plus community, don't believe people, trans people have the right to exist and everything. Basically, Mike Johnson, the the Speaker of the House, is what we're talking about. But this rise of Christian nationalism is something that Donald Trump has obviously embraced as he embraced the extremes of the, you know, the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys and and, and fine people on both sides. You tweeted a a, a video, I'll I'll play it now, of, of, of Trump being preyed on or, you know, because they think he's the Messiah, basically, and then... The fact they weren't allowed to touch him, I think, is even funnier. Just take a look at this. Gates of hell will not prevail against him. I speak this over him, Lord. I pray for protection over him. I pray for protection over his family. Lord, uh, that all the weapons formed against him will not prosper. Yes. 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 Lord, they will come to nothing. And the traps will be laid against him. Yes. People that laid the traps, they will be caught in their own traps. Yes. So, Father, we thank you now, Lord, for a great favor. And I pray, Lord, that we will get a person from trust and you, yes, I was understanding. I you always wait for it. I trust you that you will direct it past. I was thinking about Trump's face during this. You know, he's obviously, you know, being what is calm and quiet. But what's he thinking? Is he thinking, I cannot believe they are falling for this trick? That, you know, because he's not a religious person, he cares nothing for Christianity, clearly. And yet he is using these people for his own gain. He's thinking, I can't wait to get the hell out of here. And, and, and you do see those very brief moments during uh, events like this, when things like this happen, you'll see him looking over at, you know, Steve right. Chung or, or Jason Miller or Walt Nauta or somebody like that saying like, hey, time to get me out of here, yeah. you know, um, and, and he's giving them that, that little subtle signal that he gives them yeah. um, because he can't stand these people. 
but they, you know, they think he loves them and he's one of them. But th this dovetails into the authoritarian stuff that we talked about because, right. look, these people see him as God's chosen one to destroy the deep state, the evil Marxist. And he's been chosen by God. And they're saying, well, yes, we understand that he's an imperfect messenger and he's not, you know, as Christian as we are. And he's not a big believer like we are. But God chooses imperfect people you know to do to carry out his his goals and and he's chosen him and so you see this in the opening prayers every trump event every rally you get a prayer very similar to this which is there's evil people out there the evil democrats they want to destroy america they want to destroy us they hate christians and this is our savior this is the man who's going to defeat them and so it's very much a religious movement as much as it is political he was asked about his own faith again. He doesn't do very well with this question. Let's take a look. How do you do this? How, where do you draw your strength from? We're talking about faith. Where do you, how, how do you do this every day? How do you get up and fight for every single one of us? It's probably the biggest question I get. The second biggest would be, they're not gonna be allowed to do it again. Okay, you know what that means. Okay, that's number two. But number one is, how do you do it? One of the reasons is that I have the highest poll numbers. I have the highest poll numbers. I think it was a little out of sync now. But the point is that he cannot answer that question. It was a bit like when he was asked on that Christian channel that time about his favorite Bible verse. He does not have any interest in this topic, never has. He co-opted the, the evangelical movement so that he could, you know, get votes. He's running with it. He, and, and he talks the talk. But these people... Uh, I mean, you know, I'm an atheist. It's a difficult person to have this conversation with. I respect people have a right to their to their religious choices and their belief systems. But they, this guy is grifting you guys. Cannot, can you not see that? He's taking your money and he is pretending to be someone of faith. Yeah, and there was a big windup before that where she, you know, I cut it, but she, you know, she was talking. That's why she mentioned we're talking about faith. Yeah, where she had led into that, saying, you know, talking about Christian faith and all of this. And 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 she said, you know, where do you draw your strength to fight back these evil forces? And what she was looking for in an answer was something from the Bible, you know, right. something that he would say, like some passage in the Bible or a prayer that he heard of or something a minister said to him. That was the answer <laughs> she was looking for. But what she got was the truth. Yeah. What, what he gave her was the absolute truth, which yeah. is, look. If you follow Donald Trump on True Social, what he tweets more than anything else is poll numbers. Right. He tweets poll numbers every single day, every favorable poll he can find. You know, some college in Iowa did a poll of some county where he won. He's tweeting that out yeah. because, because that is his strength. That is where he draws his strength from his supporters if he didn't have them if he was polling at 40 percent, he couldn't he would have nothing to fight back nothing to raise money with the money would not be coming in okay people would not be giving him money and he and he wouldn't be able to win and he wouldn't be able to beat these criminal cases so everything his whole existence his ability to beat these criminal charges his ability to keep money in is all based on polls 
and 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 his ability to win this next election and and the ability of him to convince people that he is going to win the next election because once people think he's not going to win all of that goes away yeah, they don't, they no one finished. wants to back a loser it's it's literally the wizard of oz curtain coming down and you're yeah. seeing oz behind the curtain yeah. if the poll numbers go down that's what happens to him so he does draw his strength and energy from polls and sure. there is a, a deeply personal aspect to this as well, because, of course, the malignant narcissist is insecure, suffers extreme personal insecurity. And any poll or any supporter, no matter how extreme they are, gives him that little emotional boost that enables him to get up each day and instead of, like, you know, eating his feelings to get up on the rally stage. And and they've yep. come good for him. Yep. And... uh and and every time a new poll comes out where he goes up a little bit, he he gets very pumped up and very excited. You know, it's a sad existence when you think about it. You know, yeah. he's living his he's living and dying through polls that really don't mean a whole lot. I mean, polls in you know ten months out, eleven months out right. mean very little. But but to him, they mean everything because the whole argument that his opponents in the Republican Party have been making is that he is going to lose to Joe Biden. Therefore, we got to ditch this guy. Yeah. But he could hold up those polls and say, you guys are wrong. You know, I'm I'm going to beat Joe Biden. Yeah. And, it, and it really undercuts the argument of DeSantis and Haley and other people like that. Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene, as you know, she is a, another extremist and great supporter. The, the, the abortion debate rages on, but the, the, the kind of new argument that we've heard from Speaker Mike Johnson in an old clip and this tweet from Marjorie Taylor Greene is connecting, the, you know, the reason why we shouldn't be aborting fetuses is because, and I quote, there are major staffing shortages reported in every sector from big companies to small businesses to police departments to air traffic control. We have a population loss that is starting to show severe effects because over 63 million people have been murdered in the womb, is what she says. I mean, this is unfathomable on an intellectual level, uh, on a common sense level, and yet they're still running with this debate. This is the merger of two groups that have very little in common, where their conspiracies are crashing together, which is the oligarchs. You know, you have your Elon Musk's, your global industrialists, your global venture capitalists that view population decline as a threat to their business empire. Yeah. Okay. You got to have customers, right? So Musk talks about population decline all the time. And it's also why he claims is this reason for having 11 kids is because he's trying to help with the population problem of the world. So the, he's constantly preaching about having more babies and this and that. And, and, you know, they they talk about, sperm count going down in the males and what the reasons for that are and all there's conspiracies behind that. So you have that and then you have the anti-abortion movement. So what Marge has done is taken the, the industrialist, you know, the oligarch concerns about the workforce and also actuarial concerns about having enough workers to pay into the social security. Yeah. Well, that's what Mike Johnson said uh, in that right? Old clip, right? That with, social security requires yeah, these, these babies. Right. And, and, and with the abortion argument, which is saying, look, we need babies. <laughs> so we have to force women to have babies. And I'm, I, my comment to that was like, Marge, please, 
please make this the Republican Party argument for 2024 <laughs> that abortion needs to be outlawed because we need more babies to work in industrial plants. You know. Talking of uh, fatherhood, um, in that same interview, Donald Trump was asked about uh, how his son Barron is doing. Here it is. He's a good tall guy, too. Very tall. <laughs> how tall is he now? I'd say 6'8". Oh, my goodness. So he's up there, right? Yeah. And he's a great, he's a great young man, and he's a very good student. And uh, I think he's doing a good job, Barron. He's, I think he's doing a very good job. He's 17 now, Barron, right? Yes. Okay. I mean, firstly, how tall is he? I'd say six foot eight. Who starts a, a sentence with I'd say when you're talking about something factual like height? <laughs> that is weird. But secondly, saying that, yes, he's he's very good. He's very, very good at what? Very good at being a human. Very good at being a 17-year-old. That was one of the weirdest answers to a question I've ever heard. Some of the best Trump clips I've ever gotten over the years has been interviews like this yeah. where he's going on these obscure small platforms where, you know, Jason Miller has him going after a specific target audience. Mm -hmm. Okay. But he's going to get asked some weird questions. He's not going to get asked Sean Hannity questions. Okay. They're my favorite ones to watch and clip. I'd much rather watch him doing a moms for America podcast sure. interview than Sean Hannity, because I know what Sean Hannity is going to ask. I don't know what this lady's going to ask him, and neither does he. <laughs> and so when she started asking him about his relation, she, she, what she was talking about was his family life. And she talked about Melania and how's Melania doing and how's your relate? You know, and I thought, OK, well, this is this could be interesting. And then she asked him, what's your relationship with Baron? And I said, Oh my God. I, you know, I was so, I, you know, you hit the record button, you know, because you're like, he's never been asked this before. No. And he doesn't and, even know the answer. That's the and other he thing. He has no relationship with Baron. Yeah. I mean, you can see from my Twitter account, I, I've tracked Miralago and Bedminster every single day. What's going on behind the scenes. I follow hundreds of people who are in there every day. I never see Baron, you know, only time I see him is maybe once a month walking into a dinner you know, with Trump and, and that's about it. And if that, and so when she asked him about his, what's your relationship with your son? What's that like? I thought, what are we going to get here? You know? Yeah. And what we got was his height yeah, and he's a good student and he's, and the last part was the most bizarre. He's doing a good job. Yeah. He's doing a really good job. Yeah. What does that mean? So he's 17 years old. Weird. And, you know, this is a good moment to contrast how Joe Biden would have answered that question, <laughs> right? Talking yeah. about the loss of good Beau point. Biden and, and, and obviously talking about his love for, for Hunter Biden and, and, and somebody who genuinely understands the role of fatherhood and is emotionally uh, advanced and has an, a level of emotional intelligence that is really useful for being the president of the United States. So Empathy. you think that when Joe Biden gets asked about what his relationship was like with Bo, yeah. that he wouldn't start talking about Bo's height? Yeah. You, you don't you don't think he would do that? I mean, it's <laughs> beggar's belief. But, you know, it's really important that we contrast these things. And if you want to make a little video, please put those two bits together.
right? I mean, it's important to have those comparisons. Um, I want to. Can you talk to us about this story that was breaking today about Bridget Ziegler, uh, the former board chairwoman uh, of um, Mums for Liberty, facing calls from both conservatives and from liberals to resign amid emerging details surrounding her husband's sexual assault allegations. This is in your uh, in your district. This is the Sarasota County School Board, which is going to convene for its final meeting of the year. Uh, with calls growing for the for this board member to resign. What's the latest on this, Ron? Well, you know, her husband is the chairman of the Florida Republican Party, and everyone has called for him to resign. DeSantis, the entire Florida cabinet, um, Rick Scott, you, you name it. Um, but he hasn't resigned yet, and they have called an emergency meeting for next week. Maybe right. he will. Yeah. You, as you said, she is on three things. She is uh, she has like some kind of leadership institute type thing that is her main source of income where she gets like one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year. It's like a conservative family think tank. She's on the school board, as you said, and um, she also is on the Disney board. Uh, DeSantis appointed when he took over the Disney area. He appointed her to that. That's a non-paying position. So. I can tell you breaking right right now in the last hour, she's resigned from that big job, the $120,000 a year just now. So that's out the window. But, um, you know, he's the school board meeting is coming up next week and it is going to be hot. I mean, if she does show up and she has not resigned, it's going to be a mob scene. It's going to be electric. And I know it's going to be crazy. So I'd be very surprised if she tries to hang on. And she's already announced previously that she's not running for re-election. So why she would show up at this meeting and put herself through this at this point, I don't know. Um, but what what has got everybody worked up is this. And, and the people who have called for them to resign have all said the same thing. Whether the rape allegations against Christian are true or not does not matter to them. This is what DeSantis said. This is what Rick Scott said. This is not what Ron is saying. What matters to them is the fact that they were involved in a three-way relationship with this woman outside their marriage, and it's the height of hypocrisy. They've called gay people perverts. You know, their whole agenda is anti-LBGTQ, and we and it turns out that they're having a three-way relationship with this woman. So they have to resign. It's a huge story here locally, of course, but it's also a huge story nationally, and it shows the hypocrisy of... Uh, Moms for Liberty and a lot of these other groups. And they choose names like Moms for Liberty on purpose, don't they? Because these are very kind of emotionally reactive titles, but they don't really reflect what is going on behind the scenes. It's a bit like, you know, the branding of pro-life. You know, these things are ultimately contradictions when you find out what's going on behind the scenes, as you just said. And, you know, it makes me think of the, the that former head of Liberty University who saw all that controversy. You know, in, in one breath, you're preaching the gospel and, you know, you've got to live by God's rules. And yet behind the scenes, they're throwing sex parties and doing cocaine. It just seems like it's systemic. It's like, when if you're out there and publicly your obsession is you're against one thing yeah. it almost seems inevitable that that's what you're, you're doing, doing behind it. the scenes right yeah. wow but but that in itself is something that doesn't get much column inches or analysis in 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 the media you know that the, the hypocrisy of of this kind of extreme religious republicanism and 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 why is that you know why why are people not really prepared to go there 
Is it because of the religious connotations or is it because, you know, they they fear retribution? Yeah, maybe. I mean, look at Ronnie, Ronnie Jackson's Twitter account on a Sunday. You know, he wakes up in the morning and he'll he'll tweet out at 10 a.m. the most pious Bible verse you can imagine about peace, love and happiness and loving your neighbor. And then, you know, three hours later, when he gets out of church, it's it's all hate and venom. You know, that's that's these people. They, you know, their 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 Christianity is um, a little bit different than mine. Interesting. Okay, listen, we have to finish, but. Always a thrill and a pleasure to have these conversations every Wednesday. If you missed any of the show, you, as soon as we finish, you can rewind and watch it again. Um, you can also download the audio podcast, which will drop later on tonight. And if you'd like to support our sponsors, you can find them down in the description as well. Ron, have a great week. I'll catch you next Wednesday. Okay, sounds good. Mm-hmm.